You're listening to Rise and Shine, broad chats with real women in small business. We explore the wisdom, stumbles, and wins of females who are carving out their own path in the free fall of business ownership. I'm your host, Rachel Green, SEO copywriter and founder of Shine Copy. Let's do it. Today, I'm chatting with Eliza Ludwig from the Flow Society. Eliza, it's so great to have you on Rise and Shine. You are a wealth coach with some unexpected and so refreshing views on money. And I know that salad is actually your favorite food. <laughs> you're renovating a house in WA where you've recently moved and your goal isn't to make six figures. So I would love it if you would just introduce yourself, tell us what you do um, about you and who you help. Wow, that's some amazing research. Yes, <laughs> salad is my favorite. <laughs> Um, so yes, I'm Eliza Ludwig and, um, I am the founder of the Flow Society. Uh, didn't used to be called that, um, but I did invest in branding, which I think we'll talk about a bit later. Um, but yeah, it's, I really, I'm a wealth coach and my background is really supporting, um, corporates. Originally it was supporting corporates. So making sure that the marketing team was making the best, uh, use of their time and their investment or sales teams or operations teams. And I just loved working with these cross-functional teams so much. Uh, and I saw so many women specifically leaving corporate. Um, to start their own businesses and not having that support anymore. Um, like myself, you know, I came from corporate and we had a whole marketing team and a whole sales team. And then suddenly that those teams were all myself and really saw myself playing a part in these women's success um, and helping those businesses to um, continue to provide the career that they want, the flexibility that they want. Um, and it's, yeah, it's not always about the six figures. It is really about um, really creating the life that you want. Yes, totally. That's what we're all essentially here for in business, right? To create the life that we've dreamed of and that we think is possible for us. Yes. So yeah. do you only work with females in business? I have had a few men, um, and um, but yeah, I do seem to predominantly attract women, and that's probably because I, I think I am quite in my feminine, actually. Um, I'm sort of learning that a bit more just in terms of, you know, I'm not into really hustling. Um, I'm not, um, you know, I really like a lot of ease and a lot of flow, hence the name, um, in my day, and really do flow from all sorts of different things within my life and business. So um, it's not um, grind, grind, grind. So, um, yeah, I do tend to probably attract more women, but absolutely I'm happy to talk to any man who's interested too. <laughs> I also pretty much work with women and I think it's just, yeah, there are just so many females in small business because it works with the life that we live with, especially if you do have children and just wanting that extra flexibility. So, yeah, I know what you mean. You just kind of attract females because you are one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So what actually is wealth? Because I feel like it is something that is open to interpretation and it's probably pretty hard for most of us to define because it's not all about dollar bucks, is it? Wealth. No, that's right. You know, <laughs> I love dollar bucks. Um, so the first definition is actually around, you know, having a, an abundance of physical possessions or, or money. Um, but the second definition is sort of around having an abundance of um, something that you find desirable. So that is why I um, call myself a wealth coach rather than a financial coach um, because 
a lot of people who come to me, most of my clients who come to me, it's not about the money. It's definitely a part of it, but generally it's about time. Um, they're working, you know, I've had business owners who, you know, get up at five, work for four hours, drop the kids, work for another six, pick them up, work for another four. You know what I mean? And they're like, I am working every hour that I possibly, that I'm actually awake and I don't have any money in the bank. Um, and it's like, how can I sort of get some more money in the bank? But how can I really get some more time back and actually feel like I'm, I have a life and it's not just, you know, completely dedicated to increasing my income, but not necessarily seeing any increase in my bank balance. Um, so one of the, yeah, one of the things that I think people find really important is time as opposed to money. I think um, experience is becoming really, really important to people, especially after um, COVID and having so many of the experiences that um, we not, I mean, not personally me having COVID, I mean, the COVID pandemic, yeah. um, you know, so many of these opportunities for experiences are just gone and we've just missed them so much that people really want to get back into that. How can I travel and work? How can I, um, how can I have time to be in my community and work? Um, you know, or how can I volunteer? How can I help different people? Um, not necessarily it being all about my, my business. Yes, that makes so much sense because yeah, there is so much more to this life and to the business life um, than just the money. And the time is a major, major factor. And yeah. I think the, also the like the mum guilt of, that a lot of us mm. feel as well because that's all tied up in the time and mm. where am I investing my energy and the, all the different pulls you have on, on, on you as a person. So, yep. yeah. And yep. we all, I guess we all have a, a life of a, a story of life before small business ownership. What's yours? And I guess I would love to know, like, what was it that made you take the leap from that corporate life to where you are now? Mm. Yeah. So um, as everyone, I suppose I took a really circuitous route. So I started off wanting to be an organic farmer. So I'm from WA. And I wanted to live down south. If you've ever been to down um, to Perth or down south, it's very hippie. It's very earthy, environmental. That's really where I sort of saw myself. But funnily enough, I never enjoyed the agriculture part of my uni degree. I always enjoyed the business part of the degree. Um, anyway, so then I thought, well, before living rural, I will go to the UK and sort of get the city out of my system and found a job in accounting and just loved it. Um, I've always loved numbers. Uh, so it just really made sense and I really loved it and in a way it was a bit rebellious because all of my family are really real creatives um and so I didn't want to we were just talking about um leaning into recognizing what it is you you want and I wanted to be creative all that to be my thing and I felt embarrassed that science and maths was my thing um but anyway I eventually lent into it and um really um really enjoyed it and made a career of it but then when kids came along you know corporate is pretty inflexible we were really really lucky at the time that the head of hr and the head of um finance was they were both women so they were really supportive of me coming back part time but there's only so much um you know uh the work that i was doing was very time critical very short timeline so you know if i'm in 3 days a week and something needs to be in by tomorrow and it's not my work day 
you know, it just didn't have that level of flexibility nor progression. Um, you know, it was sort of like, oh, well, you're part time, so we can't give you the good projects and we can't give you the promotion and um, all of that type of stuff. And it's <laughs> just such bullshit. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, that, the way I use exists. my time. Oh, that, that, that thinking exists and that, like, we accept it. Like when you are in those part-time roles, because I was also in one, and then, yeah, it's like, well, why do I just have to have one bite of a biscuit? Why can't I have it all? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We figured it out, and we've got it all now, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought, and then a friend of mine actually who lives in Perth, but she wasn't living in Perth at the time, she was working in sales also for a very a very similar company to the one I worked for. And she was like, you know, there's all these women leaving and we're all starting businesses and I don't know anything about financial planning um, for my business and you don't know all that much about marketing necessarily. And that was her field, marketing and sales. And she's like, I think there's really an opportunity for us to create this sort of web of support for these businesses um, to help their businesses succeed and their life outside of corporate succeed. And it just pinged something in me. She ended up doing something quite different. She went into an experiences business and did very, very well from that. But, um, yeah, I just went, yeah, that's actually what I want to do. I really want to um to do that, I was also on, they did, they didn't think it was going to be a good project, but they put me on this project where we um, launched a completely, so we were in um, the dry aisle, I suppose, of a, Wool, of a Woolworths or Coles or supermarket, and then we created a refrigerated product. So if you're from, if you can sort of imagine just completely, completely different sort of uh, market, essentially. And I was on a cross-functional team of sales, marketing, um, operations, and we created this project, this product, and um, marketed it and got it on the market. It was really, really successful. And I just loved that so much. And I went, I want that to be my job always. And th- there really wasn't that kind of opportunity within um, corporate because, um, you know, they talk about these silos and they do exist. And, you know, it's like, well, you'll know you're finance you can't you know this was the once off it's never going to happen again so I just went about creating it basically good on you that's awesome <laughs> thank you that's like I think something to be in awe of that you just Aww. say yeah that's what I'm going to do and off you go mm-hmm. and do it it's what yeah. so many I guess like people who are not yet in small business or just thinking about it um they, they're probably thinking that too like yep I want to get that I'm going to go and create it but I just need I don't know, the right time or the right resources or the, to be at the right point. Mm. So, yeah, but it will happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, interestingly, something that if you do have um, listeners who are in that boat, um, what I actually ended up doing was asking for a year's leave without pay um, just to give it a bit of a go. Um, obviously, I wasn't being paid. So um, and they also said, look, if your role gets made redundant when you're not here, like we've, we've got no legal reason to pay you redundancy. Mm, risky. Um, <laughs> I know it was risky, but also it felt kind of like, well, even if, if, you know, I, I suppose I'm a real believer in, you know, what happens, happens. And I thought, well, if it does become redundant my role becomes redundant well maybe that's just a sign um Mm. but then also having just that little bit of backup in case you know I got one month in and just went no I can't cannot stand this you know I've got that Mm. backup then yeah that's Mm. true that safety nets um, yeah very needed sometimes (laughs) yes 
you're not just about financial goals, but life goals and I guess overall wealth or wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and you recently had a, a bit of a reality check with your own goals mm-hmm. and realized that you needed to focus more on life outside your business. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about that and what that's been like for you? Yeah. Yeah, so um, this year um, my business was hitting all the goals that I had ever wanted to be hitting. Um, I was just loving it. I felt really, um, I really felt like I was getting into the flow that I'd so wanted, but I kept being pulled away from it. And it's like, you know, when um, your cat tries to wake you up early in the morning and they start hitting you in the face and you're like, oh, I'm in a really good dream. (laughs) And I just wanted that cat to go away which was out life outside of the business um but then I realized no no I actually really have to get up and be the cat (laughs) I really have to spend time with my family there were um we've had a lot of well we've just recently moved from Sydney where we my children have only ever lived in Sydney um to a place where none of us really know many people even though I grew up here um, my husband and children certainly didn't use schools. Um, my son needs a bit of additional help. Um, he's got some learning challenges. So it was just like all of these things kept happening um, and really calling my attention. And then um, a few people, a few members of my family came to stay and they really, really required a lot of um, support. And I just realised I've got to do this. Family is really important to me. Kindness is really important to me. And um, I really need to just lean into that. But I have to say there was quite a bit of um, grief, a, a sorrow. There was a, a mourning period. I remember I went out with um, a friend and I said, I just feel I just feel like a failure. Um, and, in fact, I wasn't a failure. It's just that I had realize what my value was and I had to realign um, everything else to fit in with that that value and um, since doing that I'm actually rebuilding everything I'm like okay well I can no longer provide this service I can no longer um, do xyz in my business I need to shift to a, another sort of model and another uh, different offerings and now I'm really really excited about it I'm just loving it so um, yeah it was I'm glad that I did grieve. I think sometimes we, um, you know, we hear a lot about this toxic positivity. I think we can really try to lean into going, I'm over it. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. And, um, you know, this is all great. But, um, I think that if you deny feeling sad or grief or whatever it might be, I think it just makes it fester. So I sort of really recognize that, took the time out. And, um, now I'm really excited and energized about rebuilding again. That's phenomenal. There's a lot of emotion, I think, more mm. than we realize attached to our business and being in business and all the things that you need to do as a business owner and the choices you make and, you know, the paths you follow. So mm. it's, yeah, just refreshing to hear about that and that, you know, you grieved in your business mm. as a business owner for your business and in a bigger picture for your life and where it was heading. That's, yeah, it's so interesting because I don't think I've ever heard that actually voiced before, but I can I can feel within myself that that's a path, a path that I've been on as well, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that it's the case for others. That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of, I guess, things to think about later, you know, because you do need the space, just like you took it, to to digest things and mm-hmm. 
embrace those emotions and see where they're going to carry you. And for you, it's turned out to be a better place, I guess. Yep. Well, I know you're still getting there, figuring out how your business is going to look, but I guess it's turned out for the best. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um able to do the things that I feel called to do both within business and outside of business. And I think, yeah, I think that's really important. And I think a lot, you know, I do, um, I think, yeah, other business owners, I don't know about them feeling sad or whatever. Maybe I'm just um, too much of an empath. But, um, you know, we are all often faced with these changes in life and whether that be, you know, the birth of a child or, you know, uh, your partner might get a, a job in a different city or whatever it might be. There's always, you know, life changes and, um, you know, yeah. there are ways that we can deal with it. <laughs> Well, we can learn from you, Eliza. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> You're also really values focused, which you can just tell from two minutes chatting with you. Can you talk me through those values for your business and why value proposition is so important to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, family is obviously something that's really, really important, um, but probably broader than family is community. Um, so this year I have done a number of uh, different things, um, pro bono, um, to support the community at large, um, specific communities within Australia, um, marginalized, uh, communities, etc. And I just, uh, so my business is basically to enable me to be able to do that as well as be in business. Um, and I, again, I think some people's number one value might be wealth and that's fine. I do absolutely help with that. But for me, that's not what's the most important. Um, it is certainly an aspect. And if I didn't um, earn any money, then I wouldn't be here. Um, but that's another way to look at it as well. It's not just about building wealth for myself and keeping it all close and tight to me. It's really about, you know, giving back to others, giving back to the community, giving back to my family. Um, so they're all interconnected, all of these values. And I think it's really important to be really sure about what your values are. Because sometimes I think, or and goals as well, to be honest, but sometimes we have goals which aren't even from us, really, deep within us. Um, and that's what I sort of learned earlier. Um, I was hitting a goal that I had always wanted to hit, but actually um, it wasn't really a goal of mine. It was sort of an external goal that I had adopted. So, yeah, um, in terms of a value proposition, I think um, I just... Uh, I'm really drawn to people who also have similar values. I think I love working with them and um, engaging with them. And I think more and more that's more of a possibility and the more of an option. I think um, when I first started business, I used to try and keep that part really secret um, because I was ashamed. I was ashamed of, you know, not being all about the seven figures and the, you know, and the corporate clothes and the you know um the lack of emotion um and then the more I've gotten into business the more I've realized no no you know what these are the things that are important to me and these are what I want to get in my business and this is what I want to help other people with in their business as well in terms of making sure that their business is in alignment with their goals and their values more importantly because Nobody's going to stay in a business if they don't feel that it is them to their core, you know. Um, and I think that's why some of these off-the-shelf type businesses, you know, um, where you, you know, for instance, like a multi-level marketing business, um, it's not you really. Um, and so it's harder to sort of make that kind of work because it's it's not who you are at your core. Mm, yes, I feel that fully because 
you know, the longer I go on in my business, mm-hmm. the harder it is to work for people, work with people who don't align with my values and the harder it is to not live my truth. Like mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, I'm guided more and more by my gut, my heart and my values. And I, yeah. I couldn't imagine ever myself doing this, what I do, um, for someone else anymore because there's never going to be that full alignment and that, that flow and that, yes, I'm on the same mm-hmm. page and I am fully in this for you to help you grow your business and live your dream. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. That is exactly it. I get really invested um, happily in the businesses that I support because I'm like, I really want their business to succeed and I really want them to have this life that they're dreaming of and I can see how we can get there. You know, I love that. And I think in corporate, yeah, it doesn't feel that way. Mm. <laughs> it's really just about, you know, um, getting the paycheck every month and you're not necessarily invested in the product at all. Mm. So, yes. Yeah. I'm so glad to have left that life behind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Your, um, you're really more interested, I think, in in helping people have a good life in one one that they've defined, like in terms of their own success and how they want to live. And this, it's not as much for you about the dollar value. What's behind that thinking? Because it's it's so unexpected from a wealth coach. Like, does that just come from all the values, and and that's why that's what you do it, or is there is there another reason? It's a good question. I think it probably really is um, driven by values. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, you often hear people who are very successful business owners and they've really come from a background of not having much, not having much money, um, really struggling. And so they're really driven to probably never be in that situation again. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just sort of extrapolating here. But I know for myself, we grew up with not a lot. But my parents gave us the most amazing experiences. So when I was 10, um, my parents, <laughs> through me and my sister, my parents could um, join up with Youth Hostels um, International. And they took us backpacking across Europe. And, like, you know, we were sleeping in dorms with our parents. I was 10. My sister was 15. Actually, yeah. Um, and my parents were in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s. And I just think, I look back on that now and I think, gosh, Having been backpacking as a 20-year-old or whatever, I think, gosh, it must have just been such an odd sight. But, you know, it was the best experience of my life. None of my friends have ever been to um, to Europe. Um, and don't get me wrong, we struggled. Like, we would only be able to eat one meal a day. Um, when we got back, I remember there was just no money. We had to wait till the next payday to get food, you know, like, um, and, you know, it was only a couple of days. But somehow, despite having grown up in a family with not a lot, we just had such wonderful experiences that that's actually been more important to me. Um, and I suppose there is also a bit of a, an abundance mindset there in terms of I'm going to have enough and enough is enough and it doesn't need to be seven figures and it doesn't need to even be six figures. It just needs to be enough to um, enable me to do all of the things that I want to do. And, you know, as I said, for me, that's giving back to the community, that's um, supporting my family, um, that's supporting my husband because uh, he really loves work. He is a hustler. <laughs> we couldn't be more different in that regard. Um, so, um, you know, I've got the time to be able to support him to do that too. Because hustling really doesn't feature in <laughs> what you do or in your values or who you are. What's no. your 
your your take on the hustle, you know, slog yourself till you're burned mm. out, working around the clock, that culture. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely does not feature. Um, I think, interestingly, when I sort of had this change earlier this year, I was definitely in that hustle um, mentality. And um, it just felt I just felt like it was never enough. You know, I never felt, oh, I can relax. It was always like, oh, I've, I've only got 15 of the 20 things done that I needed to do today rather than going, man, I've got 15 things done. That's great. Um, so I just feel like it can get to that point where you just don't feel like you're ever doing enough. Um, and it's almost like addictive, I think. Um, and yeah, I then just really needed a big bit of time off. Um, I think some people are good at that, but I know that I'm not my best self when I'm in that mode. Um, like my kids were the, the cat tapping me on the, the cheek and <laughs> I was throwing them off, you know, and it's like, that's not, that's not who I want to be. I don't want to be that person. So yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> Good. You know who you are and what you want and what you don't want. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Let's talk a bit about pricing. I know that's something mm-hmm. that you help your clients with mm-hmm. and in particular in service industries, we often kind of get caught in a bit of a trap of swapping like our time for the client's money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a bit of a mindset thing where you're just charging solely for your time by the hour. Mm. What kind of guidance can you give for getting out of that cycle and pricing for our true worth? Yeah. So I think the first thing I would say is um, really just make sure you actually are charging your rate per hour because funnily enough, I quite often find that people are not doing that. Um I think a lot of people uh, think that they are, but they're not. They've forgotten that they actually do research. They're researching for the for their client, or they are making some um, refinements and, and resubmitting. I think that happens quite a lot, and that actually isn't built into the time. So um, I really think it's important to just check just check how much time it really does um, take you. So I've I've got a, a time log which I will do with all of my clients. I get them to for three days just record how much time they're spending in different areas of the business, um, and often find that yes, they're they're not actually even charging their rate per hour. Um, I do suggest, and I know a lot of people do this, um, but you know charging per package, and then um, you know for a you know, a web page, you know, for you for like copy for a web page or, you know, copy for five web pages or um, a blog post or whatever it might be. And then looking at how you can make that as efficient as possible. Um, so what can you automate? What can you automate the onboarding or can you outsource your onboarding? Um, um, is there... Are you spending, you know, 90% of your time actually marketing and 10% of yourself actually in the part of your business where you're really, really skilled at? Um, and if that's the case, what can you um, sort of release? What can you let go of um, that can enable you to spend more time actually in your zone of genius and the thing that you actually really start a business to do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really important. Uh, I think that's also something that people can find that they're missing the mark in terms of profit because, yeah, they're, they're only 10% of their time is what they're actually charging for and uh, 90% of their time is spent raising invoices, doing their bass, um, marketing, you know, all of that type of stuff, which, um, you know, if that's stuff that you really like, great. But if you would like to earn more money, then how can you shift that time back into your paid areas? Mm. I think it must also be a lot to do with how you kind of pitch your service offering 
and mm. the value that you're pitching, that you're offering to your, your clients. And it's yes. also, in my experience, um, packaging into your pricing, you know, not just your qualifications or your expertise, but all the years of experience. And also, I think one of the main things is the way that you do it, because often mm. people in service industries are buying from, you know, from one person to another person. And it's about the service provider and just the way they do it and their personality and the journey, the experience and what they bring to it. It's mm. so much more than just, yep, yeah, it's going to take you four hours and that's what I'll charge you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I should have, I should have started with that, to be honest. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, like I know with my services, uh, I generally, people will make that back the minimum, I think is 10 times, um, with the strategies that we have. Um, and some, one was up to 57 times, you know, uh, return on investment. Insane. So I think. Yeah. So I think also in terms of being a service provider, just also recognizing and maybe speaking to the fact that people are really scared of making these investments. Um, and, um, it's, um, something I've got, uh, what I was thinking about earlier and that people, you know, think that spending money is bad and spending money is not bad. Spending money on the bad, the wrong, the wrong things. It's, look, it's not bad. We We've all made that mistake, right? Um, but um, investing money in, you know, copy or in um, marketing, all of that sort of stuff, if that's something that you're not good at and actually going to let your brand down. So I'm not great at writing blog posts. I love doing dot points. Great. I cannot string it all into sentences. So I get somebody else to do that for me because they can do it quicker and it's much more professional. If I was to hodgepodge it together, that would look really unprofessional and I don't want to look unprofessional. So why would I do that for my brand and for my business? Yes. I think it's probably also about focusing on what you know you can do well and what you enjoy doing, where the joy is in your business and then outsourcing the rest. And mm. that kind of helps you progress or grow more quickly if that's what you want. Absolutely. I think, yeah. I think that lots of people kind of don't, um, they are afraid to invest mm. in their brand and they'll balk at like outsourcing or upskilling or taking a course or buying tools or even subscriptions or whatever to things that can help them grow. Mm. Do you agree? Is that your experience too? Yes. <laughs> That's my big eyes. You know, the amount of times I hear people go, I'm not, I'm not investing in Canva. You know, it's $200 a year. And it means you can de- design something and not get to the end. And they say, Oh, it's, one dollar every time you you know and it's just so complicated I'm like just take that away and I've got all of my logos saved there all of my colors um all of my fonts they're all saved there it takes me so much it's so much quicker um and then um or people who say I'm not going to buy I'm just going to buy a free accounting or I'm just going to use a free accounting package no it's like it's 25 dollars a month some you know maybe even up to 50 dollars a month you know like that's actually really not that much yes. and it's going to make the process actually way easier um there's nothing more annoying than you get a free version of something and the actual activity you want to do you can't do because it's not included in the free version so you know definitely invest yeah yes and also some of those things in particular when it's for like client or customer facing output like your invoices they, they're part of the brand experience mm. anyway. So, mm. yeah, and just making it easier for people to tap in and pay or even just the mm. look. Like, it's, yeah, there are definitely things that are worth investing in. And I think being afraid of spending money is a mistake. <laughs> yeah. 
completely yeah, yeah. absolutely um yeah so uh, i wanted to ask you as well eliza you you've got your head around numbers when it comes mm-hmm. to your business and you help clients with that but uh i think there's a lot more to understanding your figures than just the profit mm. can you talk to me a little bit about that like there's more to it right not just profit <laughs> Yeah, so I do look at profitability differently. Well, I do think it's really important to look at profitability, but I think it's really important to continue to look at it um, frequently because if you're just doing, if you're just looking at it every year when it comes up to tax time, then you have only just, um, you've only got one snapshot and you may not really remember what you've done, you know, 12 months ago. Sometimes I can't even remember what I did on the weekend, you know what I mean? So (laughs) if you're only looking at it once a year, you know, you're really going to struggle to know what's actually created that result. Um, I think you can really, again, going back to time, you can really save time. If you're looking at your profitability maybe once a month or um, sometimes it's hard to get a gauge weekly, but say once a month, then you'll know what you actually did. What activities did you do in the in the month? What did you sell the most of in the month? Um, and what has that meant for your profitability? So if you, you're, you're like, oh, wow, I had a really good month. I was so busy. And you look at your um, profit and loss report and you actually didn't make any money. You go, well, hang on. Why is that? Well, it's because I sold this particular package. And actually, let's have a look at that package. Maybe that package isn't profitable. Maybe when you started doing that package um, or, you know, writing this um, particular thing or providing this particular product, maybe it was profitable, but time has creeped up or uh, the packet you, you, you're now adding more into the packaging or maybe you are, you know, maybe the price of the actual product, if you're a product-based business, has gone up. All of these things have gone up, but you haven't accounted for it in your pricing. Um, those things you don't necessarily know unless you look at your profitability um, regularly. So I do think it's really important to look at it regularly and for those reasons, because you can spot trends much more quickly um, and really have a, a closer view on how those numbers actually relate to what you're doing in your business. Yeah, I guess it's about not just walking blindly ahead and mm. hoping for the best. Yeah, there's definitely value in looking at those figures and just getting your head around it. Um, if you don't understand them, I guess outsourcing them, because, yeah, it's a very important thing to understand. And that's that's um, really hard because even myself, um, having worked in finance for a long, long time, I would still go to, you know, I have been to accountants in the past who will shame you for not knowing something or, um, you know, um, you know, I've been shamed for spending money um, by an accountant. You know, how why are you investing in that coaching? You know, that type of thing. And so that can make you really scared to look at the numbers and feel a bit of shame around it or anxiety around it. Um, but to that, I would just say, find somebody else <laughs> because you need somebody to support you and to make you feel good about money or um, make you feel good about um, the investments that you're making. And, yeah, you know, nobody wants to be shamed by anyone, really. No, no one does. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about a time when you felt the fear but went for it anyway in business. Mm. Yes. So I love change, I suppose. Um, so there's a sense in which things don't – I don't fear them like that too much because I love change. Um, so I'm almost, like, addicted to it. Um, <laughs> But I think um, just recently when I had to um, go back to all my clients and just say, look, I can't complete these projects um, because my life has just changed, um, that was pretty scary. 
Um, uh, but I knew that I had to do it. I, I actually, I kept trying to, to do it and I kept sitting down and really trying to focus on doing it. And I just, I just didn't have the mental capacity to do it. Not capacity. That's the wrong word. I didn't have the mind space to be able to give these clients what I knew they deserved. Um, and that's really hard. Um, you know, I had to say no to money. I had to say no to um, ongoing clients because I just knew that I wasn't going to give them what they needed. Um, so ultimately, that was quite scary. Um, yes. But I knew that I needed to do it. Oh, man, that would feel bad, really bad. <laughs> mm, it oh. did. Um what can I say? It did. It felt awful. And, <laughs> and how, did, um, how did your clients take it though? I'm sure they would have been understanding because that's really, really good. Yes. That's the joy of being in the small business life. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of us are mums where we need the flexibility. You know, we understand that people get sick and mm-hmm. you pull it in a different way than you plan sometimes. Yep. So yeah, yep. it's good to hear that there was some empathy on the other end when you said, sorry, yes. I can't do what I've promised. <laughs> yes. And that's what I do love about the clients that I attract in that they are really similar to me in terms of, you know, got values of um, not just about, you know, grinding and getting all the money that they possibly can, but, you know, they understand that family is important to me and um, quality is important to me, you know, and I'm not just going to do something for the money um, when I know that the quality isn't there. So, yes. Oh, I love that take because some people might just... <laughs> keep going and just yeah cash in yeah um so with all these kind of big personal things happening and you know global traumas Mm -hmm. (laughs) um like I know that you felt them pretty deeply how Mm -hmm. have you navigated through all that like are there any tools or tricks or like how have you got through it all yeah um look definitely having um a support network is really really important um so i um i go to therapy <laughs> um honestly i think it's really really important um i also joined a group which is sort of like group coaching but it's almost for personal stuff rather than for professional group coaching um so that has been really, really important and I have lent on them. Um, I've been really lucky in that, you know, community is so important to me that um, I've really built up a business community around, no, I, I've, support, I've got a support network, let's just say it. I, um, I haven't support, built a big network or something. It sounds like I've started some sort of networking <laughs> thing. But, you know, I've got people around me who really understand um, what's going on and can provide support and encouragement. Um, so that's been really, really important. Um, as I mentioned before, my husband is very much a hustler. Um, oh, God, that sounds bad too. No, he's very, you know, he works really, really hard. <laughs> My husband, the hustler. <laughs> oh my god, this is awful. Um, he works really, really hard, and um, you know he can keep working. So I have really needed to make sure that I have um, support outside of that. Um, not that he doesn't support my business, but you know his views on what I need to do um, are quite different to probably who I am as a person and what I really believe is happening within the small business community. He's only ever worked for really large corporates, so it's a completely different kettle of fish. Um, So, yeah, really having a really good group of of women around me has really, really made such a difference. 
Yes, I can imagine that. <laughs> you need your people, don't you? Yes, <laughs> I really do. Especially not being able to meet face to face. It's, um, you know, it's really good to be able to send an email to somebody and that they can, you know, email back. And, you know, it's not just dependent on going and having drinks, which I love as well. But, yeah. you know, being able to have that different um, dimension as well. Yes. So what are, the, what are the signals that we should look for when our goals just aren't aligned with where we're at anymore? Mm. I think um, uh, one of the signals is, well, actually, I did talk about this recently. For me, I know that I'm getting to a point where something needs to shift when I want to be a stay-at-home mum. And I just want to give everything up and I just want to cook cakes all day and clean the house. I know that that's when things are getting um, out of alignment. I call it my canary in the gold mine. It's saying something needs to change. Either you need a break or something within your business needs to change or maybe something in your home life as well. Um, and I suppose, in a sense, we did have that in, in our personal life when we were in Sydney. Um, we were trying to move. Um, it was a really long, complicated story, but we wanted to move. Um, and we had gone for eight houses and every and lost at every auction. And mm-hmm. Then we were looking at spending a ridiculous amount of money. The whole purpose was actually to save money, um, but then we were going to basically be doubling the amount of money that we were spending. I'd have to go back to full-time work and close my business. Um, you know, we wouldn't have time for all of this other stuff in our life that we really needed to spend time for. I wanted my husband to take a step back from his work um, so he could relax and everything. And it was just like, hang on, what are we doing? Um, and we just realized that we were going for a goal that was the, the goal wasn't that wasn't the goal anymore. The goal hadn't been to buy a more expensive house and for life to get complicated. It was actually for life to be cheaper and less complicated. Um, so just recognizing that we were that we actually had lost sight of what the goal was um, and what were the other ways that we were going to achieve that goal. Um, and I think it's the same in your business. Sometimes you're so busy, you know, I was so busy going for a particular goal in my business and I was hitting it, but actually other stuff was calling me. So I think there's just a, a generally a tension, um, maybe a feeling that something needs to change or, or you just want to rip everything up and start again. I think that's always a really, really big sign. Um, other things are maybe things you have packages that you offer, for instance, or clients that you serve and you just don't want to do it. <laughs> um, and it could just mean as easy as just having a holiday, as I mentioned before, but it could mean that that, that isn't something you want to do anymore within your business. You know, I've seen businesses offer a number of different services from, say, copywriting to social media to photography or whatever it might be. It's just like, look, that thing just isn't, it makes a lot of money, but I just don't love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's really important. I really, you know, as you, you said before, you know, we're really into listening to your gut. I really think that's that's where you probably need to start, your gut and your your heart. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I then authenticity is major, isn't it, in mm-hmm. all aspects of running a business? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's so true. I hadn't really thought about that. But, yeah, definitely. It's not just about how you show up. It's about... Um, being true to yourself in terms of what you like in your business and don't like in your business. And yeah. Mm. And we, yeah, we just have to keep following that truth and listening to yourself and who you are, don't you? Mm. Mm. <laughs> and it can be so hard to do because you can, you know, try and uh, rationalize your way out of anything. Um, but ultimately, you know, 
your, your gut knows. I had a client mm. and um, she wanted to do a particular thing within her business and I looked at it from a financial point of view and it just didn't make sense, but it's just what she wanted to do. So it's like, okay, well, that's just what you want to do. Let's see how we can make that work. And so we did. Um, yeah, so absolutely. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's really exciting for her. <laughs> Last question, Eliza. You yeah. have five minutes to chat with another small business owner who's feeling stuck about making her next move. What advice would you give her? Yeah. So the first thing to do would be really to take a values inventory. So just check in again with what your values are, and they might change. They quite frequently do change, actually. Um, I think we think that, oh, my values are this, and they're never going to change. But that's just not true because life changes, situations change. So just double-check that um, what your values actually are, and then sort of looking at all the things that in your business and really understanding, um, you know, if they're in alignment with your values. So, for instance, um, if family was really, really important to you, but you've built a career um, in speaking and that means that you need to travel a lot and you need to speak at night and you're not home, then there's going to be a real disconnect from that and you're not actually going to get a lot of joy from that. Um, so, yeah, just checking in with your values and how those align to what you're actually doing in your business on a day-to-day um, basis. The next thing is to um, look at a time log. So create, you know, look at where you are spending your time. I mean, five days is probably good, um, but that's quite onerous. So I generally suggest look at three days and you can sort of get a bit of an average in terms of where you're spending your time. And you might find that you're within your business, you're spending 90% of your time somewhere you hate. <laughs> um, and you just don't want to be doing that. Um and of course, you're never going, and that's and quite possibly not what you're actually in business to do anyway. So, what are those things? Can you just take out to bring you more joy um, within your business? Um, and always oh, has the added bonus that in business you're going to have more clients and you're going to do a better job, all of that sort of stuff. So, taking away some of that stuff that you really don't like, um, I think, is really really important for getting unstuck in your business. Um, and then the last one is, so those two basically are not financial, but then the third one, of course, I've got to mention something financial, which is really checking your profitability for either per package um, or per service or per, per product, um, because you can find that you are spending all of your time on a package which you believe is profitable and it's actually not profitable. So the more you do it, the less money you seem to have. Um, and and that's where you can really feel stuck. You're like, I am so busy and there is no money in my bank account at the end of the month. What the heck is happening? <laughs> and you might find that, you know, a particular package um, takes you so much time and you're actually not charging, you know, what you should be charging for that actual package. Um, and then, or you might actually find that your favourite package is actually not earning you any profit. Um, and you're like, well, I'm really happy with this package, but again, I'm just going to get no money in my bank. So, again, you need to really probably review pricing there or, um, you know, that that starts a whole new um, circle of things. But those are the first, the, the three things I would look at. So that's um, checking in with your values and do they align with what you're doing in your business. Check where you're spending your time and are those on areas that you love or are they on areas that you hate? And then thirdly, just checking your profitability per service, package or product. Such good advice. Oh, thank thank you. you. (laughs) So, Eliza, where can we go to hear more from you and work with you? 
Yeah, so my favourite place to hang out is uh, the flow. Um, sorry, Instagram, which is the underscore flow underscore society, um, and I share lots of tips and um, love talking to people. Um, I'm always on stories, so um, love a DM. So come follow me there. I think it's probably the best place. Great. Thank you so much for chatting today. I've learned so much, and it's been really uplifting to swap experiences and. Um, yeah, just chat with you. Thank you. Oh, my absolute pleasure, Rach. It was really, really good to talk to you. Legend. Thanks for listening to Rise and Shine. Head to your podcast player, leave a review and subscribe so we can spread the love to more brave, business-minded women like you. You can find me online at shinecopy.com.au.